My parents didn't really know what to do with me. I was loud and outspoken and opinionated. I take up a lot of space and I have big feelings and big dreams. My parents are not that way. And so it was always a message of, you're too much. You need to be quieter. You need to be seen, not heard. You need to wait your turn. You need to like just literally take up less space. This is episode number 32 with Mother Hustler and confidence consultant, Kim Ludeman. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy, but sisters, we are making it happen even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Kim Ludeman is a confidence consultant who helps women overcome confidence blockers so they can embrace their true self and show up confidently in their life. She is the voice behind the Captivatingly Confident podcast, which I have been on episode 30. She runs the Captivatingly Confident Facebook group and hosts quarterly small group experiences to get women on the path to feeling confident. She loves helping women step into their power so they can show up confidently in their life and business. She's also the Portland chapter leader for The Mob. That's mom-owned business, networking group. Kim has been in the health and fitness industry for over 10 years, working as a personal trainer and nutrition coach. She lives in Portland, Oregon with her husband, Tim, and four-year-old son, Louis. You can usually find her hiking in the gorge, cooking in the kitchen, or thrift store shopping. Mamas, please help me in welcoming the mother hustler, mothering the world this week, Kim Ludman. Welcome, everybody. This is Kareen Mills in the Kareen Mills podcast, Mothering the World with One Mother Hustler at a Time. We have the wonderful Kim Ludman on our podcast today, and she's going to share her journey and tell us all about it. Kim, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm just going to get right into it. 
um, because I know the last time we've spoken, we had so much to talk about. <laughs> so much. We and didn't even get to like a fraction of it, I feel like. Yes, you know, we can always do more. Um, but today is my turn <laughs> and I get to drill you based on your exciting journey with, you know, what you had to do through, I'm sure you have adversities just like every single one of us. And the goal and the mission of the podcast here is to validate other moms like you and me, because we could be the best at what we do, but we have our days. And sometimes we just want to throw in the towel yes. and quit. And um, I always say you can quit temporarily, but pick it back up and, and, and go. And the other half mission, half of the mission is to evaluate moms because moms, we do so much in our responsibility and no, well, I wouldn't say nobody values us, but I don't think we're valued enough. And I love how we are empowering each other and really just supporting each other. So there's women empowering women and then there's mom empowering moms. And I love the recent um, hashtag that I, that I noticed called mom empowering children. So oh. yeah, well, oh. welcome. Can I write that? Hold on. I gotta write that. <laughs> she's all about her notes too, which is so amazing because she's so organized. Oh my gosh. No, it's not. It's post-its. I live, I run on post-its. <laughs> you must be a mother hustler. <gasps> hey now. Maybe. I saw on Instagram, I think it was yesterday, Brene Brown posted this picture of a, of a chalkboard that says, I will not buy office supplies. I will not buy office supplies. <laughs> And I resonated. It's like, I seriously live on post-it notes and pens. I, and they have a short, like, shelf life. They disappear. Yes. I don't know where all my pens go, but I have Super lots. cool. So tell us where you grew up and how was your childhood? Because I always love to showcase the childhood part only because I think a lot of the molding process of who we become starts there and I love hearing people's childhood and how their parents raised them and what it was that they think they could credit to who they're becoming today. Ooh, fun. Okay. Well, I was born in Sacramento, California mm. and we lived in a little town called Rockland, California. And I'm an only child. So that that shaped me in a lot of different ways. And so my childhood was, it was actually pretty rough looking mm. back on it. Not in the typical sense of like, I got in fights and I had a bad attitude, like that wasn't it. It was rough in the sense that my parents didn't really know what to do with me. <laughs> they, they didn't. I was loud and outspoken and opinionated and I take up a lot of space and I have big feelings and big dreams and my parents were not that way. And so it was always a message of you're too much. Like you need to be quieter. You need to be seen, not heard. You need to wait your turn. You need to like just 
literally take up less space. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> and my parents weren't bad people. Not at all. I mean, and if anything, being a parent myself has given me such a whole new appreciation for the struggle because it's real. Nobody yeah. knows what they're doing in parenting. Right? That's true. There's no training for it. No. And even if there was, it's, it's so different for each kid. Mm -hmm. So it's like we have parenting experts, but really the best expert is you, you know, and it's, I think that's something that we don't attribute to ourselves very often because we do, we feel like we struggle. So at least, <laughs> at least I do. I feel like I struggle, but you know, we are, we are our best resource. Yeah. So, so with that struggle of always being like, I feel like what you're telling me is that you are not allowed to be yourself. Is that how you felt? I think as a kid, I didn't really, I don't know, I'm sure I internalized it in a lot of different ways. One of the ones looking back now that I can see is I had a real, really bad sugar addiction. Wow. I mean, I would hide candy in my room. I would hide Pop-Tarts in my dollhouse. <laughs> like I would come home from school and just, go into the pantry and put frosting on graham crackers. And I would put like sugar in my cereal. I mean, I am shocked I'm alive. It was so bad. And then looking back, I think I felt the anxiety of my parents making me smaller. And that was, that wasn't just my parents. That was family. That was friends. That was teachers. Teachers were a huge one. And all that pressure to be less and to be smaller, to be, I used to call it meek and mild when I was growing up. Wow. Like I don't be meek and mild. That needs to be me. I'm going to embody meekness and mildness. And I think that pressure led to emotional eating. Even as a kid, like I, I remember this, this struggle starting at like five or six, like as soon as I could make my own food, that's when it started. So it was wow. really, yeah, it was really hard. How did you handle being told to be meek and mild um, with your societal interaction, with your interaction with people and friends? Did you tone down when you got home or when you're around family and then you're back to being Kim outside of that? I think... That's a really good question. I think I toned it down all the time. Wow. And there would be moments where I would come out and then it would just be like, nope, you got to put it back in the box. Like you have to, sorry, UPS is here. <laughs> you have to make yourself small. You just have to. And it wasn't until I would say maybe college wow. when my parents weren't around anymore and my life changed dramatically that I was able to start looking at, well, who the heck am I? What, you know, is it okay for me to start being myself? And what does that even look like? I don't even know. Wow. Yeah. And what did you do from, from questioning? Because it's really a difficult, I call it a pocket, when you're questioning something about yourself. Um, and when you're in that pocket, it's very difficult to look beyond the pocket. It's frustrating. How did you 
I'm guessing as a young adult, or maybe even you're still a teenager around the transition from high school to college, which is such a prime, scary, you know, journey in our life when we're teenagers, because we could be very sensitive. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the unfortunate things that happen, like suicide and all those other depression happens in those teenage years, because your identity is being questioned by not by other people, but by yourself, which is even more dramatic and more difficult, because now you're left with yourself to answer that question when growing up, somebody's telling you, you need to be mild, you need to be this, you need to be that. But now that you don't have anybody telling you that, like how was like the whole process of who am I? How did you handle that? Well, I kind of got a rough shove into it. So when I turned 19, my mom passed away from cancer. Mm. And she had battled uterine and ovarian cancer for almost two years. And she lost that battle right before I was scheduled to go back to college for my sophomore year. So it was kind of, it was like this huge, I mean, obviously huge transition for me, uh, losing pretty much the structure of my family and my childhood and being kind of thrust into adult mode. So it was like growing up really quick. So just had to do a lot of searching and it took me a really, really long time. I'll be honest with you, (laughs) which is part of my heart and passion now is how can I help people shortcut this process? Because it took me, I'm going to say the better part of a decade to really process through what had happened in my childhood, how it affected me and how it shaped me into somebody that I didn't want to be. I don't want to take up less space. Like I want to step into the fullness of my personality and the fullness of who I've been created to be, because that's where I find the most satisfaction. That's when I'm happiest. Yeah. And it just giving myself permission to do that. It took years and I'm pretty sure I financed like my therapist's boat. (laughs) (laughs) for the years that I spent in therapy it did it took me a while because it's hard to overcome those messages it's it's so hard to do yeah you know probably replay it in your mind you know you take up too much space but Mm -hmm. my question to you is when you were told you take up too much space do you ever question if you did because maybe you were just being yourself And maybe that's how they perceived it as. But for you, by being yourself, you're actually allowing space to get bigger because then people can start getting to know the real you that's been crying inside to be the real person, to show up as the real you. But you're being, it's almost like a lid of a bottle. You're being put a lid like, People were putting a lid so that you don't blow out of proportion or something like that because you have this big personality. Yeah. And it's still, it's still something that I struggle with at times as far as, especially my emotional response to things. I'm very Mm -hmm. sensitive. I'm very sensitive. There are a lot of things that 
you know, send me <laughs> through the roof. Sometimes I get really angry and sometimes I get really sad. And my husband is the exact opposite. He is Captain Steady Pants. And <laughs> he does not get rocked. He does not get emotional. He is so like even Steven. And I'm over here like all over the place. And so even in my marriage, it's been really challenging to not keep the lid. I love that. Not keep the lid on. Mm-hmm. And, like make it smaller to be more like acceptable to my husband, to, you know, my community and to other entrepreneurs, you know, it's, it's a, it's, I want to let it out. I don't even think that answers your question either. Yeah, no, it does. You Sorry. should let it out. Well, the question has a, like, have you ever questioned in, in the childhood going through those childhood trenches, if you may, when people told you you took too much space, it's kind of like for a child almost, it's like, what space are you talking about? You know, Mm -hmm. I guess as a child, I was just really, I always questioned people and people hated that with Mm. like with all of my questions because I'm, I was curious when people say something like, okay, what space are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I was never a questioner at all. Like if wow. my parents said something, I did it. Like I didn't drink till I was 21. I didn't start dating until college. I got great grades in school. I was, you know, model child because if my parents said it, I did it. And so I took their word for everything. And so when influencers and adult figures, authority figures said, you know, you're too much. I believed it. Wow. You, you must be right. I, yeah. I'm too much. That's amazing. How do you parent now? Because, you know, obviously I always like, there's a lot of ways that my parents or my mom, I should say that, that did that I do now, but there's also certain things that I'm like, I'm never doing that to my kids. You know, mm-hmm. like, how do you, apply that to your own parenting now that you're you're a mom and you're in that position you know you're on the other side on the flip side of now you're raising this little baby little child and getting them out to the world and the hopes that they don't think that they're too much for whatever space the adults say that they are you know yeah and that's you know especially because i have an only child So I feel like I know what to do for him. You know, that he needs to be, you know, around other kids and that he, he has my, like, I call it a superpower with him. (laughs) Like you have superpowers. You are such a good hearer and you can see things so well and you can smell things so good because he's just, he's super sensory like I am. Mm -hmm. And my parents didn't know what to do with that. But on the flip side now, I know what to do with that. And so instead of making him feel bad for having big feelings and a big heart, it can actually like lift that up in him and be like, you are, you know, you're incredible. Like you have this heart, you know, here's what we do with our big feelings. And here's how we help other people with our big feelings. And Daniel Tiger, surprisingly enough, I don't know if your kiddos watch Daniel Tiger. Mm-mm. Do they? No? Oh, Daniel Tiger is cartoon version of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. 
Oh, wow. And it has been incredible. He started watching when he was about two, two and a half, and he's four now. And it's incredible. His sense of empathy and his verbal processing of things and his memory. And, you know, he sings these different songs to help him, like, manage his emotions. It's beautiful. I mean, I wish I wish I had had that as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Because I think a lot of, like, for my kids, I always tell them you could be whoever you want to be. There's enough space for your personality and don't matter what people think about you. What matters is what you think about yourself. Exactly. Um, yes. Because that's kind of how I was raised too in a culture where, you know, there's a lot of limitations. You could, you have to be a certain this and a certain that you have to be, like there's so, I guess not limitations, but more like so many rules. Or expectations. And or expectations. And I, and I don't like rules and I don't like expectations. And for someone to always question everything, like I was such an annoying child because I questioned everything. Mm. So I try to allow my kids that space to always question everything yeah. and not have like, Cause I used like, there were certain times in my childhood where I was scared to ask the question because I was scared to get in trouble. But then there's something inside of me that's also stronger force that says, go ask the question because everybody else is thinking it. You just huh. need to be the one to ask it. <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes that. that's what happens, you know, like, have you ever been in a group setting where Somebody asked a question and, and you're like, whoa, that's like, I'm so glad you asked that question because it's the same question that I have. Yeah. So yeah. just living authentically of who you are and stepping into who you're becoming, whoever you want to become and allow your children that space. Because I think that when we limit them, that's how we condition their brain to have all those limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you give your kids the space <clears throat> to ask the questions. You know, I think kids get put down for asking questions and asking why. And it's like, well, because I said so. And I definitely mm -hmm. say that every now and then. Me too. I do. I'm not above that answer. But I try to answer as many questions as possible because they have such a curiosity and such a curious spirit. And I feel like as adults, we lose that curious spirit. And then it's like, we just have no curiosity anymore and we don't ask questions. And so then we're almost afraid to ask questions as adults. So I think it's sure. so great that you're like the opposite and that you do question. I think that's yeah. amazing. Well, what I am trying to do is allowing my kids to be like me instead of being like adults used to get so annoyed by me and they shut down. So I'm allowing them to have what I was always denied of, but it was also, I was denied of, but I also did not take it. Like I, I, I acknowledged that they didn't like it, but I did it anyways type thing. So I'm allowing them to do it anyways, regardless of what anybody thinks, as long as they're not breaking the law, 
as long as they're not doing anything bad or hurting anybody, you know, like I am allowing them to see that I'm not annoyed by them. If that makes sense. That's huge. That is definitely a mom struggle that I have is, you know, not being annoyed and not treating him like he's an inconvenience to me. That's a big struggle. I'm so glad that you are just like on top of that. It's, it's normal, but you can practice it. You know, it's normal progression for, especially you and your mom. Are you having another child? I don't know. Huh. It's like, You're it's so young. It's so hard though, because being an only child is all I know. Mm. And I look at moms of multiples and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. I'm barely surviving with one. <laughs> Thriving is my goal. Surviving is my reality. Like, wow, that's incredible. And, you know, I hear all different sides of it, but it's, it's hard. It's one of those decisions that I've gone back and forth on so much in the last four years. So much. Because mm. I struggled with postpartum depression mm, that actually yeah. didn't start until my son was seven months old. And... Obviously, I, I did some really stupid things like working two jobs with a newborn. Like, that's not smart. Don't do <laughs> like having my house immaculate, cooking three meals a day, doing dishes, laundry, like being on top of everything, thinking I was superwoman. And then seven months in, I crashed. And I guess I'm just really like <gasps> hesitant. Yeah. Yeah. Fear to go through that again because it's not a fun stage to go through. Um, it's hard to be a new mom. I remember I, um, it's a struggle. I struggled, but I think when you get to the second one, it's like, Oh, I've done this before. I can do this again, you know, yeah. and they have a playmate. So it's actually easier when they have a playmate, but talk us through how you became a confidence consultant, confidence consultant, because you were going through your childhood progressing into questioning who am I and then took you about a decade to actually realize who you are so take us through how did you stumble upon who you're who you are now yeah it's a great question so I am a hashtag a slow learner which is probably why it took so long <laughs> but the whole process has led me here you know I have to believe in just like divine timing because mm -hmm. it's just worked out this way. So after college, because I had struggled with my weight as a result of the sugar addiction that I had. Mm -hmm. And I started after college working at Costco and I got super fit. I mean, pushing those giant carts at Costco, you know, huge, right? And sprinting to the back of the store and picking up boxes. And I realized that I was actually really strong. I was like, what? I'm strong. Like I can do things that are physical because I'd never been physical in my entire life. And so I started working out at the gym and wow. taking classes and I had a personal trainer and I loved it. And I was obsessed. <laughs> I started running and then I started looking at my nutrient intake and I started restricting calories and I started limiting foods and it became this obsession with seeing how far I could push the envelope. How small could I make myself? Which went perfectly with what I was doing with my personality. Just how small can I get? 
how's how little can I take up even physically and you know I I did that I got really small and you know didn't express my needs to anybody and I got just trapped so I just exploded out of that into figuring out okay well what 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 does it look like to be healthy I've never had this modeled for me I have no idea what it looks like I don't think I've ever eaten a quote, healthy meal in my life. Wow. What does this look like? So then I got certified as a personal trainer and started helping people realize how strong they were. Because I'm like, if I can do this, this amazing thing, so can so many other people. You just need somebody to show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. So after doing that and kind of going on my own nutrition journey, I started to see how much is dependent on your food intake. And so I became a nutrition coach. Sorry, my electric blanket is real hot. Um, (laughs) It is cold. (laughs) It's freezing and I have a blanket, but it's too hot now. Um, Yeah, so I got certified to be a nutrition coach. So I was doing personal training and nutrition coaching, helping people manipulate their macronutrients so they could change their body composition to what they wanted and get stronger. And, you know, I had all these great intentions. Was this before you were a mom? This was after. 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 Yeah. Um, and how, yeah, these great intentions. And, you know, I had a steady stream of clients coming in. And it was about, I'm going to say, five or six years into this when it kind of hit me upside the head of, of how much the change has nothing to do with the physical. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with it. And again, slow learner, it took me a while to figure this out that when women came to me and said, I just need to lose X number of pounds, that's all I need to do. Mm -hmm. Or just tell me what to eat and I'll eat it, I'll do it. And I just need a meal plan or I just need a workout program. And it took me so long to realize that that's not what they really wanted. That's what they thought they wanted and definitely not what they needed Mm -hmm. at all. So I started to kind of address that middle space and challenge and push back on, well, why do you think you'll be happier X number of pounds from now? What's stopping you from being happy right now? And as I started asking more and more of those questions, it was incredible the answers that I got. And it was like this advance of, okay, I want to teach you the tools and I'm going to hopefully, you know, give you healthy meals. And I do notice that they're more aware, like when we go shopping, they'll notice what's in other people's carts. They'll kind of cart check people. I've been cart check. <laughs> when I see people and they're like, hey, what you got in your very, you know, they're more aware. They're like, mom, there's not a vegetable in there, you know, or things like that. So I know that something's hitting home. So I think that it's balance, right? Because especially with my kids being teenagers, I can't monitor what they're doing, you know, mm-hmm. when they're on lunch or if they're out with their friends and stuff like that. So I'm assuming they're going to make those, those choices. I try not to bring unhealthy food into the house. If we're going to go have a treat, we try to go to it because I'm a binge eater. And if it is in my house, I will consume it all. I can't just have, oh, I'm just gonna have a nibble. I don't know how people can do that because it's crazy. So we go to the treat. We don't bring the treat in the house to us. Or if it is, it's like a single serving. Um, but I think like when people say, oh, just let them be kids and eat whatever they want. It's kind of like, 
it, and this is an extreme, like, well, would you give your kids cigarettes and say others, oh, you know what I mean? I mean, it's yes. not this on the same scope, but it kind of is because f I really look at food as um, medicine, right? Um, it's, it's nature's medicine. And so if you're going to fill it with, I mean, there's so many things that we still don't even know. Mm -hmm. um, so I think finding that balance, but really trying to instill as much as you can um, of, of health, um, but not having that mentality of, oh, they're just being kids, you know, because that can go down and before you know it. And I, I just wish that when I was younger, I had those tools. So when my kids were younger, it would have been normal. Like I have really healthy, healthy, like crazy healthy friends. I'm balanced. <laughs> but their kids are like, oh, all they eat are fruits and vegetables because that's all they've known, right? So they don't, they don't really know a lot about sugar and the cravings and then having to undo all those things that they've learned. So, it becomes so much work yeah. when you have to undo it. Like, yeah. like, I'm sure when you started your health and fitness, you had to like reprogram so many things Absolutely. and the work doesn't even, like the work just began when you figure it out and you figure out even more things, right? right? And I agree with you about the kids because my kids, it's like education is so key, whether you're a kid, an adult, you know, whatever level you are in your life and journey, education is just so important about nutrition and fitness and health in general, because my kids are the same, you know, okay, mom, I'm just going to have a cookie. Like they are the ones telling me it Yeah. because I've educated them that, you know, sugar is a culprit, yeah. show them pictures online. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what happens if you eat McDonald's every day. Yeah. You know, just showing them instead of telling them, I think it's so powerful. And then allowing them that little treats, like you said, Absolutely. Yes. and go to the, to except my, I'm having a challenge with my husband. because He's such a sweet tooth. <laughs> it is really hard when it's you're hard. both not on, on, you know, the same page when it comes to that part. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my husband was health and fitness for what, like four years before I jumped on the bandwagon. So I feel bad for him now because he's like, what can I do? But honestly, I don't think that there's, a, and I've had a, a lot of ladies in our, in our accountability groups are like, you know, my, my spouse is either isn't supportive or, you know, he's bringing in all the goodies and I'm like, you can't, you can't force somebody to do it. You just have to lead by example, kind of like you do, you know, with your children, you're like, you know, here's, here's what I'm doing in lovingly love them where they're at. And then slowly, you never know. Like we have some, some ladies that are like, oh my gosh, my husband's going to join us in our next group. It's going to be amazing. And it's by them leading from the front lines. So they're all coaches within their home, which is it's so really, true. Yeah, really, really exciting. It's so true. So tell me, because I know every lady in your team, which is probably a lot, have very different stories, but if you can share to the world maybe highlights because sometimes there's a story that don't quite get you but there's a story that you're just like let me hug you you're so transformational right. things of that nature and i swear my podcast a lot <laughs> if you can really tell and i'm just talking real shit in the podcast and she's like i always ask my six-year-old about what's her take on the podcast and, and what she thinks about it. And the six-year-old like was in her bedroom going, hola, hola, it's Erica from America. I'm a confidence coach, and whatever. And the mom sent me this message and I was in a Westfield in like a food court on 
um, school vacation. So there were kids everywhere. And I was just crying. I was like salty liquid from the eyeballs. Like, oh my God. And that was my favorite because I, I just couldn't, I know the work has impacted people and I'm, I could die now because I'm that I'm done. That's what I want. But like the fact that a little kid was listening and, and like, wow. like take, cause I got kids. We got, I was like, what? That's amazing. Cause I let my kids listen to stuff. Like my son knows who Tony Robbins is. He's three. He's like, Oh, that's Tony. Oh, that's Gary V. The man that says bad words. I'm like, yeah, that's Gary V. Like he knows all these people. So yeah, that was my favorite. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. and I think it's such a different time, you know, and I think we have so much tools as a parent and, like my kids, you know, Tony Robbins, Lewis House, all those guys parent my kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't allow them to do that, but it's like a little bit of them leaves. They're yeah. helping me because sometimes, you know, mom doesn't always, it's not always believable, right? And I feel like if I can expose them to those information, it's not me saying those things. It's, it's the host yeah. of the podcast saying the things that I want to say to them but it's more impactful. Like a lot of people listen to me, but I know my kids are, are going to just like, you know, you're, you're our mom. No. You're always going to say those yeah. things. But with totally. the third party, it's, we have so much more tools to be able to parent our kids the proper way. Mm. And, and uh, my kids just yeah. like, like if I had these tools that I, that I have access to now, I think, I mean, yeah. I, I think our learning curve would have been, a lot better, but at the same time, I'm thankful for the adversities that I've gone through, like like you do, because I think that you learn so much more with those adversities. Yeah, look who you are now because of that, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I love that you say it's not perfect to do your podcast in your car, because mm -hmm. I don't have a perfect studio. I am sitting on a stool right now on a coffee yeah. table, facing the yeah. window. Well, my husband was making faces across the other side, you know, so it's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you just do it. And what are your advice to women or moms that really want to do what you and I are doing, but it's yeah. again, that mental thing that's stopping them and holding them back. Yeah. What advice do you give Women want to have the, yeah, I think that we want to have confidence before doing anything and it's like when i'm confident then i'll do that when i lose the weight then i'll do that when i have the money when i have the microphone then i'll it's like that be do have thing you know it's an old coaching term and it's like you know when i you know if i was like they'll say if i had beyonce's body then of course i would do what beyonce did and i'd be beyonce it's like no honey what does beyonce do she fucking works out she works hard as fuck she eats amazing so she's got the body so like whatever it is you want you need to be that now like you need to be put yourself out there now and i and i say like confidence the the definition it's on my business card confidence the ability to take action while you're shitting yourself that's what confidence <laughs> is it, feels like shit it's not like i'm so confident look at me you can remember the first time you got up i still get up on a stage and i'm like oh there's the butterflies what if i fuck this up oh well let's go you know like it's willing it's willing to uh, looking forward to you being scared you're gonna be scared you're gonna have fear you're gonna have excitement you're gonna be all those things and it's like just know that's going to come, you know, but you got to take that first small step. I have this thing that I'd love to give the listeners and the viewers. Um, it's called uh, the practice of confidence. And it's like five things. It's no fucking revolutionary shit. I just put it together the way I did. Cause I think it helped 
Now, because, you know, people will be like, it's my process, my IP. No, it's not. It's just shit you learned and you put it together. So I learned this and I, for me, put it together this way for my clients. And I, I believe confidence is like a practice, like meditation, like anything. I don't think anyone's confident. I don't think I'm confident and you're confident or Kim Kardashian's confident or Oprah's confident. I think that people that look confident are merely in a practice and they've done it so much that they've got that shit down pat and they're in any one of the five steps. So what I would say is I'm going to give you the confidence practice. And then what I would love is for you at home or wherever you're listening to this is to think about where are you in that practice? What step from one to five are you at? Because that's going to make a difference. So step one is it's choice. Make a decision. So what is the thing that you want to do? So let's talk, let's say your example, right? And talk to the mothers that I want to start a business. I'm scared. What's the business? What's the decision you make? I want to start a business. I want to start a podcast. Let's pretend it's that. Okay, cool. The decision is I want to start a podcast. Write this shit down. Number two, right? Being courageous. Like confidence takes courage. You're going to be scared. Just know that you're supposed to be shitting yourself. Yes, skid marks. <laughs> totally. You're on the right track. That's the right track, sister. If you're not scared or you're not like, oh my God, oh my God, then it's not it, you know? And then number three, right, is action. You can't do anything without taking action. And people get it twisted in this. They're like, oh my God, I got to do this big thing. And they take, they go future. And I have this thing where I tell my clients, don't go future. If you're having an anxious moment or you're feeling don't go future. Just stay here. Like, what do you got to do right now? So number three is about action. Small. What's the little thing? I need to open an account with Anchor. Okay. That's an easy way to do a podcast if you don't have the other ways. I need to think of a name. Great. That's a small action. Because if you take that little mini action, instead of the big thing you think you need to do, that little action is going to open up the fog and you'll see more steps and you'll be like, ah, I did this and it gave me four more things to do. Great. Yep. Now I'll do this. You notice, you know what it is. And then you open the path and then all of a sudden you can see, and you're like, ah, okay, I can go that way or that way. Cool. Instead of making this whole fucking story in your head about, I got to do all these things. It's like, girl, you haven't even done one fucking thing. <laughs> do the one thing. That's it. Right. <laughs> and then number four is evaluate. So once you do the thing, people say fail. I don't believe, I honestly don't believe that people fail. I don't believe it. I think that every failure or mistake is a lesson, which I'm sure you believe the same thing. So after you took the action, now evaluate. How was it? Was it shit? Was it good? Was it bad? Uh, was it amazing? If it was crappy and you failed, basically you learned that that was crappy. And next time, don't do that, right? You just learn. So evaluate the lesson. What, you, what do you need to learn and adjust? And then number five is repeat. Fucking circle, circle, dot, dot. Keep doing the whole same thing again. <laughs> Choice, you know action and it's and it's that so think wherever you are out there whoever if you're thinking about i don't know what to do what's the one thing it's a workshop and one of the ladies said i need to put myself out there on social media she just did it i'm so happy wow. she just said to me i just did a social media video on instagram uh a, what is it called a story and yeah. i'm like great so she just went hi i'm me nice to meet you uh and then that's it at least that's the beginning you know yeah. just yeah. do one the one small thing that's beautiful. I love those five steps. And I love how you said it's not revolutionary. It's just, it's basic, right? Yeah. You know, the most basic information is often overlooked by people because we want the, we think that the, the information that works so good are, are, yeah. are sophisticated and complicated, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I love how you said that 
just take micro actions and little actions and you talk about Beyonce, like if you want to be Beyonce, he, she looks like that because she does this. So behind the scene, a lot of, a lot of women and people in general, we just see the, the glory. We and just see that there's glory. Steps, yeah. and forget there's that steps glory, that you get glory. glory. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for everyone. Everybody feels yeah, everybody gets, you know, it's not easy for anybody. There's no overnight success about any of it. And literally, I think I've got a lot of clients that are like, hold on, I want to figure it out. You know, one of my clients wants to figure out the whole business. Like, honey, just do one thing. You'll get more information. You'll get feedback. If you try to figure it out in your head, mm. we live, 70% of us are living in stress most of the time. Yeah. So in your head, you have edited in the past, you're conditioned, you're going to make up all the bad things that are going to go wrong. You're not going to go like, just do one thing, get the feedback and then adjust it. I've changed my business. I was a stylist. I used to do workshops. Now I do confidence coaching. It'll change again. Now I'm speaking like you, you don't, I would have never seen where I'm at now at the path because I had to walk it and then it changes. So you don't get to know at the end, you got to do the fucking work and it's work. Yep. It ain't true. easy, but you can do it. It's true. And I like, like myself, you know, it's, in the beginning, the podcast was just something that I would like to, to give value out to the world. And then mm -hmm. I go to a conference and something just clicked, you know, I took an action and I went and then I'm like, okay, I know where I want to go now, you know, and it's, it's yeah. not going to be guaranteed. That's it. Because what I find is when I think that I, I have this download and I'm clear about something, something will show up down the road that will you know, it's like the setting of the sail. You set your sail. And then when, when you're setting your sail, it takes you somewhere, but then you realize there's a storm there and you, you reset it again. You know, it's just, it's flexible, but by taking action, you un unravel the information that you needed to take the further action. Yeah. 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 It's a hundred percent. Because if not, it's just stories in your head about how it may not work. And the worst, we go to the worst case scenario. We go to the worst case, like, oh my God, what if I do that? And then what if the podcast fails and no one listens? And then, and it's like, girl, none of that's happened. You're living in some crazy future that's highly stressful and it's stopping you from doing that little thing. Like do that thing and then come back and you'll yeah. see that it'll work. Like it'll be amazing. I know. I know. I get asked a lot too. And I'm sure you do. Like, how do you do all the things that you do? Like, you're parenting, you're taking your kids to school, you're doing this podcast, you're this and doing that. And I feel like, um, you know, what I'm doing is glorified, but at the same time, I feel it's so simple if they just stop and go, okay, yeah. number one, I need to do this. Number two, I need to do this because, and, and sometimes we just say, well, you just do it. But I think if we give a little bit of one, two, three, four, five, like you just did, yeah. it would give them a little more pathway to, okay, the secret to what you're doing now is just doing something a little bit at a time, not thinking of future. Don't go into the future. <laughs> I love that. They hear, I'm like, where are you going? And I, like, cause I have people that have anxiety and postnatal depression and all that. And let me tell you, I know this is off topic, but it's so a passionate rant that I have inside me that I'm not going to do right now, but I'm going to do, <laughs> and I've done, but it's like, when you feel like you're 
having a moment. We have postnatal moments. We have anxiety moments. We have depression moments. You don't have this fucking disease label across your face that you are now postnatal disorder woman. That's not who the fuck we are. Everybody's got moments. Welcome to motherhood. It sucks ass most right. of the time. It's hard as fuck. You want to, I want to kill my kids, right? I'm not gonna, but I want to throw up. I'm like, you little shits, right? It's hard work. It's supposed to be. There's nothing wrong with you. It's not perfect and beautiful like the Instagram people tell you. Stop posting those fucking perfect photos of nurseries, bitches. It ain't like that, okay? <laughs> it's a hot mess everywhere. So it's like, I think we just, we get stuck into this shit and then we label it as it's this. And it's like, it's a moment. In the moment, you feel this. Stay here. What do you need to do now? Breathe. Drink water. Okay. My list. Like you said, do a list. And I think one of the biggest problems that we have as a society right now is that we're in the era of information. Mm. Like you can Google anything. You can find out anything. There is no reason why you need to be living in ignorance. No reason unless you want to. Mm -hmm. So, but here's the problem, right? It's, it's, it's not about the information. It's the lack of application. So you have all this information, all these do, all these podcasts, blogs, and things, but you ain't doing shit. So it's like, stop listening, stop doing, stop. Just do one small thing. See how it goes. More stuff booked up. Oh, cool. And then when you start doing, then you start researching what you're doing. But people want to research everything, do nothing, and then complain about how they have no results. And it's like... Yeah. There's information overloads. Just apply one thing. Yeah. It's funny because I get asked a lot, a lot things that people can just Google. And it yeah. annoys the shit out of me. And I'm not saying that I don't yeah. want to help people. But it, yeah. I mean, like you said, information is at the, at the tip of your fingertips. All yeah. you got to do is Google and yeah. spend time to read things. But I feel yeah. like... And not only that, too, I think the comparison issue is that, oh, I want to be like her, so I'm just going to go ask her so I can take a shortcut, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with it because we should serve our client. But when I took the Are You My Flock, my immediate thing was, oh, I could use this to become a better mom. Because when because the other things weren't, weren't so important to me anymore to where when I say there's a way to train your client and if they're not trainable, they're not your client. And, and you have to be okay with that because if they're not okay with you having to leave a conversation because you have to go pick up your kids at school because they're sick, right? I don't want that client. No. You know, um, we train so much in our profession and we only use it for a profession, but we forget to use it for a family, which in life, it's applicable all throughout in every aspect of life. You know, you're not dealing with a business. You're dealing with a human being. These are human beings that we're raising. They're going to go out in the world and eventually they're going to have to make their own decisions. And hopefully they lean on us for support and wisdom yep. throughout their adult life. But this is the most important job that we can have. Really it is. We're shaping a human being. Yes, and the connection that we make with them is super, like critical. critical. Not just important, but super critical. Mm -hmm. My kids brag to my mom about, because um, I'm teaching them so when they go to college or whatever they want to do in life, 
and if they're scraping by, they're not having to, you know, eat unhealthy stuff. Mm -hmm. So they always brag about how mom would get a $5 Costco chicken mm -hmm. and she'd make it until it, it's the bone. And the last thing she'd make is the soup with a bunch of vegetables with the carcass of the chicken. Like she'll save everything and we'll make, you know, we'll eat the chicken with rice and vegetables and then we'll, I'll make, cause we don't like the chicken breast. So we'll make it into like chicken breast sandwich or a salad. And they brag about how I can make that like stretch to so many meals. And yeah. I'm like, wow, I love that because, and I told them that one thing you can do when you're in college is get a crock pot. You oh, have yeah. to eat ramen. No. You know, it's like all these ramen joke about college. It's like, you don't really have to just eat ramen. You can have a crock pot making while you go to, to class and then have a home cooked meal mm -hmm. and come home to a really nice meal. Mm -hmm. Right. Anyways, they, it's the little thing. I have the girls, all three of them, even the four year old. Well, she's almost five, but they bake and they cook with me. I need to teach him those fundamentals. Yeah. My son will learn the same thing. I'm going to teach him that too. Um, you know, and then sometimes we'll go grocery shopping together. I don't just do it by myself because I also think it's important that they see how much everything costs, you know, the dollars. Mm -hmm. um, that's important. You know, just all these fundamentals, you know, we're shaping human beings. It's our responsibility to have the connection, to teach them, train them up, to be you know, self-sufficient someday and make wise choices. Yeah, to be a good human being. To be a good human being. You have to, that's our, that's our motherly duty. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna ask you, you my last question. Okay. Cause it's like time is flying by. Can you believe it? I know. I know. It seems like it's just five minutes, but it's way more than five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> last question or second to the last, I should say. Um, so at the end of all this journey, you're on your deathbed. Your entire life flashes right in front of you. You've accomplished everything. You have left no stones unturned and you killed it in life. You have everything you've ever wanted and your kids ask you this last question. Mom, what are the top three things you're proud of accomplishing as a mother? What would those three things be? That's heavy. That's why I ask it. <laughs> Anybody else cry? <laughs> or am I the first? Um, the first most, one see. Most of my guests tear up. Ramona is the one that couldn't talk without crying. When I created a question, I couldn't finish it. It's already in my thought, but I couldn't finish it because I had to answer it for my own darn self, right? Before yeah. I ask it to someone. And I did the same thing, sister. Wow. So the first thing would be, do they know Jesus? They get to make their own choice, but did I do a good job to introduce Jesus? And the second thing would be, do they feel loved? And the third thing would be, are they good human beings? And those are really easy. That's just a really easy question for me. Because those awesome. are my, those are my um, values. 
that you want to leave your kids I'm and accomplish as a mom. Yeah. If they, you know, they're going to believe in whatever they believe in as adults, but did I do a good job to at least introduce, you know, what I believe in? And, um, you know, I just want them to feel loved. I love them so deeply, you know, and then, you know, it's just, um, you're raising these human beings, you know, yeah. are they good human beings? Absolutely. So before my very last question, that was my second to the last question. <laughs> I just want to commend you for being such an awesome mom. Thank you. Yeah. You have so much to give to your kids, to your clients, and to the people that meet you. Um, you are a wonderful woman. Thank you. So keep doing what you're doing, no matter how tough the going gets. It always happens for us, not to us, right? There's always like a message in there of, okay, what is, what am I supposed to do here? Mm -hmm. And you're a believer in God and Jesus. And usually that's how they send you a message is to throw you a curve ball and, and figure it out. But you've done really well for yourself, Jen. And I'm so blessed to be your friend. And I'm so blessed to be called your sister because we kind of feel that way for each other. Yeah. My last question is, what is your definition of a mother hustler? <laughs> An extra, extraordinary mother in business. An extraordinary, because she can't just be an ordinary woman. She's got to be an extraordinary mother that's in business. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your presence today thank and you. giving us grace with your time. Next time you need to give us napkins for these tears <laughs> and all the, the... And I'm sure the <laughs> listeners are going to love your, you know, your little nuggets that you dropped here. And I appreciate you wholeheartedly with everything. I mean, we're business partners. Yes. We're life partners, pretty much like sisters. Yeah. And it's just going to grow from here. Thank you for everything. Thank you for having me, Kareen. I've learned so much from you. And I appreciate your support. This is an amazing pod podcast. I think that lots of different women will be able to relate. And I, I just truly appreciate and I feel honored that you would interview me. So thank you. You're welcome. All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlet. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core 
makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a Mother Hustling Day.